We continue to watch and get updates on the shooting in Indianapolis, my fair beloved city. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, the podcast at TonyKatz.com, eight people killed. The gunman allegedly taking their own life. This, according to IMPD, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. This at a FedEx facility, FedEx ground facility, near the Indianapolis International Airport. It's south of the airport, just a touch on the other side, the south side of I-70, where it meets something called the Meriplex Parkway. This is a ground facility that has 4,000 employees. Indianapolis is a hub for Federal Express. We don't know at this time if there's any connection. We don't know at this time whether or not uh, this shooter had anything to do with FedEx. Earlier today, early this morning, because this took place, you know, uh, late uh, last night and they were working this throughout the morning. They are still trying to connect family. Uh, I had the chance on my morning show, you know, I do a morning show in Indianapolis, uh, to speak with Janae Cook, a public affairs officer for the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, and got to ask some questions about whether or not they think they have the suspect or are they suspecting others? Officer Cook, can you give us uh, a little bit more information on, of course, some of the key questions that people have? Uh, We know that one person uh, believed to be the suspect uh, taking their own life. Do we believe this was just one person and one person alone or is IMPD looking at other suspects right now? You know, right now, we believe that this person did act alone. Um, we do know that we, we do have a reason to believe um, that he may, he took his own life um, here at this location. Um, you know, one thing I, I understand that, you know, there's a couple FedEx areas around here. I want to let everyone know, you know, this is not um, over in the airport grounds. This is the FedEx ground plane field operation, um, one of the other buildings. Um, so... You know, reach out to your loved ones and make sure they're okay. But, you know, detectives have still been, you know, continually interviewing different people. So as soon as that is all complete, you know, we'll let everybody know. Talking to uh, Public Affairs Officer Janae Cook of the IMPD, uh, the shooting that took place at the FedEx facility there just south of the airport. Eight people uh, dead at the scene based on the fact that it's not the big facility where we see the name as you're driving on I-70. Is it believed that the suspect knew the area, knew the building or knew people inside? You know, that's a great question, but, you know, we're still trying to find out what led up to this um, and what what his relationship is to this building. Now... I will tell you that that was uh, many hours ago, and they're still not letting out a lot of information. Uh, It's interesting because with, I mean, how else do you say this? With a number of other shootings, you know things faster. I'm, I'm here, and I'm telling you that I cannot get an understanding of social media. I don't know if this person has a social media account. According to the police, they've said he, so I believe this is a man. Uh, I I cannot tell you uh, gender or gender identity things. I cannot tell you political affiliation. Zero. Absolutely no idea. Simply cannot.
cannot get the information. My sources don't have it. It's not getting shared, and I find that to be curious. But it also could be the sign of something else. One of the things that's been addressed thus far, they're having trouble identifying. So when this shooting took place, it took place outside the FedEx complex there, the FedEx building there, the FedEx ground building. As was described by uh, the deputy chief of police for Indianapolis, Craig McCart, there was no uh, interaction. There was no altercation. There was no confrontation. This person got out and started shooting. So it is very possible, and I'm saying possible, that one of the reasons identification is taking so long is because we don't possibly understand. We don't understand how this shooting went. And we may find that this is much more um, violent than we're prepared for. And that could be a reason why we're not getting the information. We want it. We're looking for it. We're searching for it. We don't have it at the ready. I'll be getting into some more of this, including some of the horrific things said in my beloved city by the political activists who think they know best and they know nothing and prove their ignorance not only on firearms, but their absolute hatred of the people. But first, let me get to Vice President Kamala Harris. Man, that's a segue. If you ask me, that's one of my better ones. Vice President Harris is speaking about the economy and speaking about the American people, and she's full of hope. And it's like, okay, this, where, where is this going? The American Rescue Plan is also making health care more affordable by reducing the cost of coverage for 9 million people who are currently receiving financial assistance. At the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Secretary Marsha Fudge announced that nearly $5 billion has been allocated to provide services to people who are experiencing or are at risk of homelessness and to help communities create more permanent, affordable housing solutions. The Department of Agriculture has been using funds to help 12 million families with children who are food insecure, reimbursing families who are now buying food that their children would have received in school. The list goes on, and the message is clear. Help is here. Hope is here. Okay, we get it. You're, you're all about the feels. <laughs> Vice President Harris, that's you. There you are. I don't know. I, I I always thought she had a little more emotion to her. That was a pretty monotone thing. Maybe she's just finding her vice presidential voice. I don't think this is it. And we've already seen what happens when you help those who are hurting the most. When you build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out. We have created more new jobs in these first two months than any administration in history. Okay, let's just stop for a minute and take that in and figure out what we're going to do with it. The administration has 
I, I, maybe we need to rehear it. Maybe we heard her wrong. You know, in, in finding that voice, she may have just, you know, she may have said something she, she wasn't supposed to, to, to say. When you build an economy from the bottom up and the middle out, we have created more new jobs in these first two months than any administration in history. I can't even begin to understand what in the bloody world she's talking about and who she's talking to. You think you've created jobs in the last two months? No one believes you. That's not true. That is nowhere near factual. There was an economy that got ripped apart. A fair amount of it based on lies. And now you're going to sit here and say, we added jobs at a faster rate of anybody in history? If you want to know exactly how much Kamala Harris hates you or thinks that you are a dope, well, then there it is. I mean, there it is. Thinks you're a dope. Hates your guts. Thinks you're just the worst. And thinks you'll buy in to her garbage. That's it's it's an unbelievable statement. If you take an economy and you get rid of all the jobs, right? You get rid of all the jobs. And then you have a more open economy where the jobs can come back. How is that you creating jobs? You see, we didn't let anybody go to work, and now we let people go to work so we could say we, can, we created jobs. Anybody who believes that isn't smart enough to be able to ride a bike down a street. They should have to wear a helmet and a drool cup. Good Lord. I, I thought I had seen it all. I thought I had, I, there, there was no way these people could go lower. And then it's like, oh, there you go. There you go. You went a you went a little lower. By the way, speaking of going low, remember when Kamala Harris cared about the border? Right? Remember, she was put in charge of the border. But then she wasn't put in charge of the border. What she was put in charge of is uh is oh, oh what's the word I'm looking for? That's it. Root causes. She's in charge of root causes not actually in charge of solving the problem but when you go back to what is it 20 2019 there she is saying that the border is human rights abuse being committed by the united states government when she wasn't in charge it was abusive in the worst way possible. And now that she is in charge, it's not even her responsibility, even though it's her responsibility. Even though it's very, very clear that she was given this task, that she was told, hey, 
that border, go handle it. And then they decided, we don't want her handling nothing. So they changed it. I mean, that's what they did. It's exactly what they did. It's exactly who they are. Just remember, a couple of years ago, the border really mattered and children were being abused. And now, that's somebody else's problem. I'm going to go do a term paper. But, you know, hope or, or something. I'm Tony Katz. I think the bigger question is, why are they creating a TV show out of it? I've got the books. I've got the movies. I don't need a Lord of the Rings television show. Tony Katz, it's good to be with you. Tony Katz today. You can go to TonyKatz.com, get the podcast, do all the good things. I'd greatly appreciate it if you would. Subscribe, like, follow. It is free, that podcast, over at TonyKatz.com. Amazon is making the Lord of the Rings television show. They're making it in New Zealand. And they're spending $465 million U.S., for just the first season. Now, is this an eight-episode season, or is this a ten-episode season? It's eight, but somehow I feel like that doesn't make much of a difference. Considering well, it, the it, would, it would make maybe a little bit of difference. You know, you could you're amateurizing that cost over a little bit more. But Game of Thrones was a hundred million dollars a season. So it, it started around $6 million, uh, for season one, $6 million an episode, and ended at $15 million a season as people got paid more money and the sets and the shots and the, and the White Walkers and everything else. Oh, have I said too much? Spoiler alert. It was Bran. $465 million, which is, by the way, $650 New Zealand. $650 million in, in New Zealand. And they got to be super happy. Now, originally, they said it would cost $500 million for multiple seasons of the show. My question is, what in the world are they going to make? It's a prequel series. Is is that what it is? Yeah. Um, So the prequel series, you mean, is The Hobbit, right? Because The Hobbit is the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. It's before that, even. Yeah! Honestly, I uh, I do not need that much of Bilbo Baggins. You know, for a bu- for four hundred sixty five million dollars, you know you're gonna check it out just to see if it's worth the money. Well, since I'm already an Amazon Prime member, I guess I will. Yeah, I mean, why not? I'm just saying, uh, you're gonna have to create a tremendous amount of backstory, and I'm good with the Hobbit backstory, and and the Lord of the. I can remember when I, I read Lord of the Rings. I was I was in my. I was in my 20s. I was in my 20s, yeah. And uh, I, uh, uh, maybe I was in my 30s. I don't, I don't even remember. Um, but I was, I was working, training for a, a nonsense job, for me a nonsense job. Uh, I should never have been there. Um, in Chicago. I was living there for like six weeks. I took the train to get there. And so I read The Lord of the Rings on, on the train. And... I had always known that it was the Lord of the Rings, the two, uh, you know, the Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, the Return of the King, right? Those are the three books. But what I didn't understand was that there were three books. 
I thought that uh, I thought it was like three individual books and each one wrapped up and they told a story. No, 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 no. I didn't realize there were three books that told the same story. And when I was about three pages from the end, I'm on this train. I'm three pages from the end of Fellowship of the Ring. And I realized this is not going to wrap up. This is, this isn't going to, this is just going to leave me hanging. You mean the next book continues this story on the train? I'm reading the book and I said, son of a bitch. People looked at me like I was crazy and they were right. Maybe in my head, it was that loud. Maybe it wasn't that loud in real life. I'm not sure. And I always think people are looking at me like I'm crazy. I was like, are you kidding? This goes on? What's an end? Oh, good Lord. Do you ever read uh, Lord of the Rings? Yeah, when I was in middle school. See? So you're, you're not impressed by it. I didn't love it. I loved the movies. <sighs> The movies, Peter Jackson, I thought, did a brilliant, spectacular job. Like, has Peter Jackson ever directed one of the superhero films? No. Okay, I feel he could. Probably. Because the, the fight sequences, you know, and, and, and the things that, that took place, you know, um, the, whole, uh, the whole battle at Helm's Deep, I, I could just, I could visualize... You know, because of that, him being able uh, to handle it, I'd actually like to, I'd actually like to see it. But oh yeah, I, I so so I love the series, love the series. Uh, what I cannot envision is uh, four hundred fifty million dollars U.S. Uh, to have to deal with Bilbo before he goes on this adventure and ends up, you know, screwing over a dragon and stealing somebody's jewelry. That's, I'm sorry, did I that, give it away? That's a disingenuous, you know. No way. I think I got it right. Bilbo's a thief. That's all he is. Poor Smeagol. Precious Smeagol. I'm sorry. I, I Did I karate kid it? Like the, the theory? That's all, that's all I'm saying. Bilbo's a bad dude. I'm Tony Katz. So they're talking about packing the court, but Nancy Pelosi isn't discussing bringing it to the floor. Tony Katz, so good to be with you on Tony Katz today. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Ask you to go over there and like the page, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter at Tony Katz. Uh, give a follow, if you will. It was, uh, you had uh, Senator Markey and you had Representative Nadler and a couple of others discussing how we need to we need to uh, add to the Supreme Court. We need to grow the Supreme Court from nine to, to 13, not 15. I, I, I'd always thought that was the number they were going for. They're going for lucky number 15. But no, they want to go from nine to 13. They want to add four more justices. This is referred to as packing the court. Remember that uh, Senator Markey of Massachusetts, a, a radical partisan, a radical progressive. He is the co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. Remember, it's Representative Ocasio-Cortez in the House. It's Senator Markey in the, in the, in the Senate. And uh, he 
thinks we need to expand uh, the, the, the court and make it bigger. Right? What they call packing it, adding on these progressives so they can move forward their agenda items and have like-minded people who aren't worried about the Constitution saying yes to anything they put forward. But it was just a few years ago that Ed Markey was standing in front of the Supreme Court with a sign that said, hashtag, we need nine. What in the world is we need nine? That was when he was opposed to packing the court, opposed to adding more justices. We only need nine. So you see very quickly, very, very quickly, how people utilize these things for political purposes. How they're like, hmm, this doesn't benefit us now. Now we have to do this. Oh, it benefits us now. Now we have to do that. As if we don't see you. I am convinced that the, the I should say all politicians, don't understand how video cameras work. They have no idea how a phone camera works, that we see you and we've recorded it and we might actually hold on to it. And when you say the opposite, X number of days, weeks, months, or years down the road, we'll be like, hey, remember this? Now, sometimes a position evolves. People do change their minds, don't you? But does anyone believe that Ed Markey is actually changing his mind on packing the court? Does anybody believe that's the case? Of course not. Absolutely no one believes that because that isn't the case. Speaker Pelosi says she has no plans to bring it to the floor. Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin, right, the number two in the Senate, saying I'm not ready to sign on yet. I think this commission of Joe Biden's is the right move. Yes, Joe Biden has a commission to look into this. And there are some people who think that the commission is going to come back and say, are you nuts? But don't ask Gerald Nadler that question. Jerry Nadler, the congressman from New York, because his view on packing the court is. Some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. What kind of Orwellian nonsense hellscape doublespeak is that? I mean, listen to it again. Some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. Someone should walk up. Some member of Congress should walk up to Gerald Nadler and say, hey, listen, I heard what you said, and I want you to know you're full of you know what. And say it. Say it directly. Say the thing I can't say on radio, and then just walk away. Then just walk away. Don't, doesn't worry. Doesn't, don't worry about it if like, you get like censured or anything else. Don't. Don't, don't even. It's totally fine. We're not packing the court. We're unpacking it. F these people. What in the world? Does he not understand that we see him and we hear him and we laugh at him? But look at the lengths they're willing to go. Right? The level of of manipulation they're willing to get into. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. You see, these conservatives have done terrible things and we can't allow that. You mean judges who were confirmed by the Supreme Court. I find Sonia Sotomayor to be a terrible justice. She doesn't adjudicate. She votes. Elena Kagan is interesting. I think she adjudicates. Sometimes I think she's wrong. There's the difference. There's the difference. Oh, and pay no attention to what they used to say about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They don't care about her. They only drag out that dead woman when they need her. 
And that's how they view her. She's just a she's just a prop, alive or dead. Wheel her out, look at her, put her away. They don't care about her. When she said she opposed packing the court, they don't listen to that. But when her last wish was that another president fill her seat, well, then that was the most important thing in the world. Because last wishes, as we know, are in the Constitution. But it's not just Ed Markey and Gerald Nadler and and radical progressives who are involved in, in this manipulation. It's Patrice Cullors. She's the one who leads Black Lives Matter. And she is the one who has purchased four houses for $3.2 million, including a $1.4 million home in Topanga Canyon. This is Los Angeles. You know, head over to Malibu. This is gorgeous, gorgeous land. Beautiful, beautiful land. Beautiful countryside. If you've never driven Topanga Canyon, it's exceptional. Well, she doesn't like the fact that you will question how she got all these houses. And she will tell you that it's just the white supremacists to play. Right? Yeah, that's all it is. It's bigotry. And then she does an interview with Mark Lamont Hill, who's got his own degree of anti-Semitism. And he is turning himself in not trying to figure out how to ask her a question about why it's okay for a Marxist to have all of these homes. Extravagant homes of any sort or multiple properties of any sort is itself contradictory to the ideology that you hold. And so it's not about having money per se, but that it's about, uh, or about property per se, but it's about there being a potential contradiction between your express politics and your lived practice. Sure, and I think that is a critique that is um, wanting. And I say that because um, the, the, the way that I live my life is in direct support to black people, including my black family members, uh, first and foremost. And uh, for so many black folks who are able to invest um, in themselves and their community, they choose to invest in their family. And that's what I've chosen to do. Um, I have a child, I have a brother that has severe mental illness that I take care of. Um, I support my mother um, and I support many other family members of mine. And so I see um, uh, my money as not my own. I see it as um, my family's money as well. Well, that's great. It's so great you see it as your family's money as well. A lot of people taking care of a lot of family members. Where'd you get the money to buy the four houses for $3.2 million? And when do I get to share in it? Oh, all of a sudden you believe in private property? All of a sudden the Marxist believes in property rights? When did this happen? Why wasn't I notified? No, 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 no. Here's the story, Miss Colors. You're a grifter. You started Black Lives Matter. You are a Marxist by training, and you just admit it here uh, in this interview with Mark Lamont Hill. You believe in the eradication of Western culture and Western civilization and of the nuclear family. You own four properties. By the way, the socialists and Marxists, seven houses, no real jobs. Bernie Sanders, Patrice Cullors, seven houses have never once engaged a paycheck, never signed the front side of a paycheck. They get money, they don't pay that much out. It's a grift. It's a grift.
You stole from people. I can't wait until the investigation to how they got, she got this money. If she's some kind of stock market guru, again, Marxist, hilarious, then okay. But I don't think that's how she got the cash. And it is more than okay for people to ask. Unless, of course, you want to get sued. Because the National Black Lives Matter organization sent legal threats to a guy by the name of Hank Newsom, who uh, runs uh, Black Lives Matter in Greater New York, claiming his group is illegally using the Black Lives Matter name. You're right. It's not a grift. It's 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 not it's not a grift, right? There there are le- somehow you own that name. Newsom is not has never been part of the official Black Lives Matter organization, but continues to use BLM's name even after sending him multiple cease and desist letters. I thought you were all in it together. I thought you were all in it for black people. No, no. Now you now you own the organization. Now now you you own the. Oh, oh okay. According to the Daily Wire, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has rejected six applications from Black Lives Matter to register the trademark Black Lives Matter. So no one really owns it. But she's going to sue with the $90 million she has. This is... No, no, no. No. Go on. Tell me it's not a grift. You go right ahead. And I will continue to laugh at those people who say she's on the up and up. They're Marxists. They're never on the up and up. They lie. They cheat. They steal to get on top. You will never reach their lofty heights. That's the, that's the thing they don't tell you. I've got more on this. I'm Tony Katz. So they showed the video in Chicago of the shooting of a boy by the name of Adam Toledo. He's 13 years old, and I watched the video. And he had a gun, and he was running away from police, and he was trying to drop the gun, and it looked like he was grabbing the gun, and he got shot. The police officer immediately called an ambulance, went over to him, look at me, are you all right? Where are you shot? If the city of Chicago wants to go about rioting, I guess they're more than welcome to. I clearly have done my last visit to Chicago. He ran from police. Police weren't going to know that he was 13. It was dark out. He absolutely had a firearm. And this cop isn't going to know what he's going to do with it. You can be as angry as you wish at the situation. But again, it is a cultural conversation. And if you want to blame police for that, you don't have it. At least based on what I have seen. You don't have it. So we're clear. Now, I live in Indianapolis. And we are dealing right now with this shooting that took place. Eight people are dead. We don't, as of yet, know much about the the shooter. Well, I should say we don't know anything. We are pretty sure, based on statements, that, that it's a male. We know there was a rifle of some kind, but we don't know what kind. And we've already had people saying it was an automatic weapon. It was an automatic weapon. People who don't know anything 
often say things that they don't know anything about. Right? That's the way that one goes. They don't know what they're saying. They just know that their job is to hate firearms. Their job is to blame guns and not ask questions that are of value, like what is happening culturally that lead to these kinds of mass shootings? What is it that's happened to people and resiliency? What has happened to people in in the idea that they're unhappy so they feel they have to take it out on someone else? Tough questions. These are questions that are not asked by the leadership of Indianapolis. And I have said this before. I love this city. Love it. I I am so thrilled to live here. I am so thrilled to be in the Midwest. I am so thrilled to be in Indiana. I can't I can't tell you. It's great. It's 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 not good. It's great. Love it. Move to Indianapolis. It's fantastic. We've got a leadership problem. We're working on it. I could use some help. One of those leaders is a member of what we call the city county council here because of the way we bring all the the counties in and how we have our things connected. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. That's what we call it. And uh, one of the counselors is Allie Brown. That is her name. Who woke up to the news of the mass shooting feeling heartbroken and angry. Now there are eight empty chairs at dinner tables and lives that have been permanently altered because of inaction and a refusal to show some proactive responsibility to a problem that's crippled our country, Indiana, and the Indianapolis community for too long. She goes on to then say it would be cold-hearted of the House Speaker in Indiana, the Senate President in Indiana, and the Governor, Eric Holcomb. Quote, if they failed to address gun violence as the state is currently in session and able to find a solution to this problem. And if that means passing, as she says it, quote, passing background check legislation, banning automatic rifles, and advocating for other common sense gun control measures, let's get that done immediately. This press release came out from the Indiana Democratic Party, the Indiana Democratic Party and this city councilor, before the sun had risen. This was out there. Banning automatic rifles? Guess what? They're already banned. You have to jump through a number of hoops to get an automatic weapon. You don't know, Counselor Brown, what you're talking about. But you have no problem saying it. We need background check legislation? We already have background checks. Have you ever tried to purchase a weapon without a NICS check? Oh, you're going to tell me about the, the gun show loophole? It doesn't exist there either. Private sales. You mean you want to get involved in private sales between people? Okay. Sure you do. You don't even know what it is you're saying because you don't know anything about firearms. You don't know anything about the Second Amendment. You don't know anything about the laws in Indiana. You don't know anything about firearm laws in the United States of America. You don't know. All you want to do is say, oh, there was a shooting. Here's a chance for me to seem really woke to my constituents. What's wrong with you? Now, this is a question I actually asked on my morning show. I thought it was worth repeating to you. Because you have an elected official just like this where you live. Somebody who doesn't actually know anything about guns. Someone who's never taken the time to learn about guns. They just want other people to live in fear. They want other people not to be able to protect and defend themselves. Never do they recognize the good things that happen with a firearm. Never do they recognize the millions of law-abiding citizens who never do anything wrong. They're so ideological that they refuse to be honest. You got to vote those people out of office, guys. 
And if you come to Indianapolis, you can help me. I'd, I'd appreciate it. And, and, and the food's great. Oh, I'll talk it up all day. This is Tony Katz today.